Good morning, everyone. Good to see some new faces as well. And I'm very thankful that I can present a lesson to you this morning face to face. I don't know, but when I tried to present lessons or teach a class using Zoom, it was terrible. <laughs> I just couldn't connect. You want to open your Bibles to the first chapter of Acts. We'll be there for a little bit to get started. This morning's lesson is going to be on the ascension of Jesus. About a month ago, Herb gave a lesson on the resurrection of Jesus. And so when I started to think about, well, what am I going to preach on? I said, I know what I'll preach on. The ascension of Jesus. And you know why? Because for a long time, I thought resurrection and ascension were the same. And I'll kind of maybe justify this a little later on in my presentation. Let's just look at the context of that verse. Let me read the verse. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is referring to in Acts chapter 1, the ascension of Jesus. But let's look at the whole verse. We'll start in verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 9. In the first book, that's the Gospel of Luke. Luke is the writer here. O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself to lie to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise from the Father, which he said, You heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you not at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Can you imagine being there, seeing that? Have you ever watched a balloon ascend with people in it? No balloon, just Jesus rising up from the ground. This lesson is going to have this outline. We'll look at, first of all, dictionary definitions of the word ascension. We'll look at Jesus' ascension passages in the New Testament, just a few of them. The ascension passages in the Old Testament. There's some ascension passages there. 
and why the ascension of Jesus is important. Certainly the resurrection is important, as Herb pointed out, but so is the ascension of Jesus. And finally, we'll just, maybe if we have time, talk about end times. Okay, here's the dictionary definition. And this is what got me in trouble. Oh, how do I get this back? Good, thank you. Here's the first definition of ascension. The act of ascending ascent. Ascent. Don't you love it <laughs> when the dictionary gives you a definition of a word using the word? <laughs> Very helpful. So <laughs> I had to look up ascending and ascent. And uh, ascending is to move, to climb, to go upward, to mount, rise. The airplane ascended into the cloud. So the word rise, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended from the ground. So that's, that's what messed me up. To slant upward. Ascent is the act of ascent. There you go again. Everybody knows that. Upward movement, a rising movement, the ascent of a balloon. The degree of inclination, gradient, or steep ascent. All right, enough for the dictionary. The second definition that's given in a dictionary has to do with the topic we're talking about this morning, and that is the bodily ascending of Christ from earth to heaven. Note, the resurrection of Jesus, rising from the dead, is not the ascension of Jesus. Okay, we're done. No. Biblical ascension refers to a body leaving planet Earth and ascending up to heaven. Biblical ascension. Leaving planet Earth. If you could weigh the Earth, it's going to weigh less. <laughs> that body isn't here. Let's look at some verses. Luke wrote another verse that had the ascension of Jesus in it. It was after his resurrection. And he said to them, the apostles, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. This is after Jesus' return from the dead. That everyone, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them, and was carried up to heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. Oh, just a note. At the end of the scriptures, at the bottom, you'll see the scripture that I'm quoting from. I usually have it other places, but this is the pattern I'll be following today. And 
I don't know if I have time to read all the scriptures that you're going to see here. I may just get to the main point because I, I want to keep within our time frame that we've set up for this period of worship. Okay. I have some pictures. Pictures worth a thousand words. And this is a picture from the garden, the, the, uh, the garden scene. And looking up the, to the top of uh, the mountain, and there's a Russian Orthodox church up there, and it's got a big tower, and so, oops, excuse me. And so you can see it there. There it is. So here you are in the garden, there you are in the garden, there you are in the garden, looking up there. The next picture is going to show you, this is the dome of the ascension of Mount Olives. So they think, well, this is the spot. <laughs> okay. Bethany, by the way, is just a little bit past the peak there. Okay, and it's all within a few miles. It's, it, you're talking walking. You know, Jesus walked from the temple. And, and there's, there's kind of a model here that kind of shows all these things for you. Here's the temple. Right there was the temple mount. The temple itself was constructed there. He was probably over there. Oh, I can't push my buttons too good here. He was over here at that house in the upper room, and then he walked, and he went here. He was on his way to Bethany. He prayed in the garden, and they say, this is, what, this is where this happened. Okay, there's the dome of the ascension. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to go to Peter's first gospel sermon, Day of Pentecost. Jesus was around for 40 days. He was lifted up. The day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles and Peter explains, we're not drunk. Here's what's going on. And so this is found in the second chapter of Luke's writing in the book of Acts. And what I want to point out here is when we talk about gospel and preaching the gospel, we always say the crux of the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But I want to show you that the ascension is also in there in this sermon. And beginning in verse 29, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. Okay, what does that mean? And of that we are all witness. Oh, that's the resurrection. You know, we raised him up, but we saw him. So that's the resurrection. This Jesus, God raised up, and we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted, and of that we all, uh, being exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you yourselves are seeing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make my enemies, your enemies, your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know that certain God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom he preached about. So, what's the point? 
in this first gospel sermon, you're seeing Peter talk about the ascension of Jesus. David didn't ascend, but Jesus did. And God has exalted him and he's at the right hand of God. Alright. I'm going to go through this fast. I want to go through time. Here are some people. Enoch. One of the early characters in the Bible. Jacob's ladder. Jacob was had a dream. Elijah. Moses. No. <laughs> no. Alright. Now, all it says about Enoch is he walked with God and that he was not for God took him. Uh, so you can't, well, was he erected? Did he, erect, did he ascend? Well, God took him. But we do have something in the Hebrew letter that helps us. It says, when, when he was taken up so that he should not be dead, he was not found because God had taken him. And so, good chances are he had a, a he was a, he, he ascended because nobody could find it no bones no body he's gone so we're going to give we're going to give him the title of being ascended first one Jacob's ladder you got you got Jacob fleeing basically from his brother and he's headed to Haran where his where that's where, where Abraham had come from, and so he's he's there and uh, he's dreaming and there in verse twelve it says there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reached to heaven, and behold the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So that's got angels up and down. And one more in the Old Testament, Elijah. Elijah. Chapter 2, 2 Kings, first verse says, Now when, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. A lot of text there, but when you get down to verse, in verse 11, it says, And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha, Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. So there's some ascensions there taking place in the Old Testament. And if we go to Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 34, Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo. It's also the top of Pisgah, which is opposite of Jericho. And he got shown all the land and told, you're not going there. And we know that story. But then he took him and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Belchior. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. So Moses' bones are somewhere out there, but we don't know where. Okay. Why is the ascension of Jesus important? Here's just a few scriptures that I think will make you think about that. When Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week today, uh, he appeared to Mary Magdalene first. And let's read those scriptures. This is John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. 
But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've taken him. They've laid him. He said, This... <clears throat> and I do not know where they've taken him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Jesus, Jesus uses the expression a lot. Woman... <laughs> He doesn't use it in a derogatory way. It's a very woman. Why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you declared him away, tell me, where have you laid him? I will take him away. Uh, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, In Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not cling to me. I could just see her. Oh, Jesus. He says, I've not yet ascended to the Father. But I go to my brothers, I go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So you can see Jesus needed. He needs to ascend. He needs to go to the Father. The ascension essentially marks the end of Christ's earthly minister. Ministry. Sorry. Ministry. His service to mankind on the earth. He completed all that the Father had designated for him to accomplish. And we can read about that in John 17. And again, for the sake of time, we'll just look at the highlights. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to his heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may be glorifying you. And then skipping down to verse 4, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And further on in John chapter 19, when Jesus was on the cross, his last words are, It is finished. Mission accomplished. As I mentioned earlier, the gospel message focused on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But, Paul, when he was writing to the church in Corinth, and sort of chastising for the way they were participating in the Lord's Supper, partaking of the Lord's Supper, he said this in verses 3 and 4, chapter 15. It's chapter 11. That's a typo. For I delivered to you as first importance. No, it is chapter 15. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. And, and, and as this, so for in the context, you see that this this is what Paul would talk about when he would spread the gospel. Always mention the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But Jesus' ascension provides us a place to be with him because that's what Jesus said. I'm going away. I'm going away. And he said, don't be troubled. This is in John 14. Believe in God. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. But we're not sorry. We're not told you. And I go prepare a place for you. So Jesus had to leave so that we would have a place to go to. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our path to eternal life. And Jesus was ascend, is ascended to heaven at the right hand of God and he's prepared a place for us. Well, I did it again. Or did it just go out on me? Let me try this. Oh, good. It's like my cell phone. My fingers are too fat. Okay, moving on. Jesus' ascension is the beginning of his work as our high priest and a mediator of the new covenant. Something go wrong here? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Should be good enough. Thank you, Ben. For those of you who are watching, uh, we had a slight technical glitch that took place and so we're back on streaming again and we're looking at uh, some of the important reasons why Jesus had to ascend into heaven it was the beginning of his work as our high priest and mediator of the new covenant and of course everybody realizes this is going to be something said in Hebrews and it's in Hebrews 9 and I'll read the whole set of scriptures got a few more minutes here but when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come then though the greater and more perfect tent through through sorry through the more uh, greater and perfect tent not made with hands that is not of this creation he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Okay. Another scripture. Jesus' ascension allowed for the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost. And we know from reading Ephesians chapter 1, pretty much the whole chapter, that all spiritual blessings are in the church, which is his body, and he is the head. And we assemble each first day of the week 
to remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In chapter 11 he wrote, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So that leads us into just a few words about end times because we're waiting for them. <laughs> When's the end? When's that going to happen? And uh, it was a major concern to the church in Thessalonica. And uh, we studied those two books fairly recently and there's just a lot in there about what's going to happen to us when Jesus comes. What happens if we're dead? Etc., etc. And basically, that was the question that we have to look at in chapter in the first letter, and in chapter four, he kind of answers it. He said, "We we believe that Jesus died and rose, and even so, Jesus will bring those who have fallen asleep." For this we well, I should start again. No, it's all right. Go to verse sixteen. Go further down. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of trumpets of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another to do these things. So the picture that's being painted here, and the question was, okay, we're alive, and if Jesus had come, we know we will see him, and we'll meet him in the air. But what about those people who have rotted? There's nothing left of them. And Paul says, I already told you. They're going to be resurrected. They're going to be alive again and they're going to be ahead of us going to meet Jesus in the air so they're first so that should have been very very comforting to hear that and then they wonder well when's this going to happen <laughs> well we've got to be prepared and uh, he said well sorry in First Corinthians chapter 5 he said uh, you know uh, yourselves and are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The thief doesn't send you a text saying, I'm coming tonight, 11.15. Please leave the door open or hide the key under the mat. No, it doesn't work that way. You are fast asleep, comes in, and if he's a, what's called a cat burglar, he takes what he wants, he doesn't even wake you up, and maybe he leaves you a note, and then that's it, he's gone. And I've experienced that personally. Uh, pretty scary. Thief and I, as well as peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon it. Okay. But you know, sometimes we're told, you're warned. We're all warned. 
that Jesus, we don't know when he's going to come. So be prepared. He might come in a second. He might come next week. I don't know. Ever heard the word rapture? I thought I'd just throw this in. There's a word in that Thessalonian letter, verse, chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, and that word's underlined here in the text, caught up. And that word, for many years, in the Latin translation of the Bible, which was called the Latin Vulgate, that word was reptero. And that word, of course, means rapture. So people reading Latin scripture would see this word there and think rapture. So we'd be caught up, they would be raptured or they're lifted up into the air. It's not in the Bible anyway. And uh, it's a popular thing because there's a book written and there's been a movie and I haven't seen or read any of it. Anyway, there's a picture of it. It was called, the first book, a series of 12 called Left Behind. Anybody read these books? Yeah, we got some hands. Good. Of course, Edith would read the books. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, let's, let's just summarize this right now. Jesus' ascension refers to his leaving the earth and returning to the Father in heaven. It was an important thing. He returned to the Father, he seated his right hand, he's ruling as our king, he sent the Holy Spirit, he established the church, he's our high priest and mediator. Important stuff. His return marked the end of time and will his, his return will mark the end of time and will come like a thief in the night. Jesus will meet his saints in the air and they will be with him forever. That's important. And until the coming of the Lord in the clouds, we will continue to remember Jesus every first day of the week by partaking of the Lord's Supper. Amen.